Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm your host, Sammy Womack, a nationally recognized money expert, budgeting coach, and your very own hype squad. I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Today's episode is brought to you by the Price of Avocado Toast podcast. Price of Avocado Toast is the podcast for everyday humans looking to hear stories of triumph, advice, and all kinds of money talk in a no-shame conversation. Join my friends Haley and Justin weekly as they push to normalize finance talk among millennials through interviews and their own chats as a young married couple. You'll gain insights into successful strategies for managing your money all while feeling like you're sitting down with your closest friends. No guilt, no humiliation, just real raw honesty sprinkled with a bit of humor and grace. If you need those cheerleaders on your debt-free journey or just want to join in on the energy of this young couple, then The Price of Avocado Toast is the podcast for you. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks again to The Price of Avocado Toast for supporting this episode. Just a reminder that everything discussed in today's episode will be linked in the episode show notes. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at A Sunny Side Up Life. And if you're ready to take control of your money and need guided instructions, check out my free budgeting challenge by going to asunnysideuplife.com. Now let's get into the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another solo episode. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about financial struggle and just that pinch that we all have been feeling over the past few months, almost a year now since inflation has been so high. So I want to tell you a little story first about a client call that I had. This was back in like January, maybe really the beginning of inflation starting to rise. And we've seen a 40-year high inflation rate, like 9% is what they're saying, right? And everyone is really feeling that pinch. But I was on this client call one day and she was just like, why can't I stay in my grocery budget? She's like, no matter what I do, I just can't cut it back enough. And she was talking about how she was having to have her kids put back little Clementine oranges because they were just too high. Like putting back fruit, something healthy that her kids actually wanted because it was just, it pushed the budget over too much. And she was kind of like apologizing to me for her going over her grocery budget and just asking me like if I could really look at her spending register and see if there was any place that I could tell that she could cut back. And she was like apologizing for different purchases. And she was like, yeah, and I needed to work in a new bra into the budget because she had just wrapped up breastfeeding and, and just all these things. And I'm like, like looking through her spending register with her on our zoom call and I was just like, I literally, I, I don't, I don't see anything. And she's, you know, tearing up just like, what am I supposed to do? You know? And for this family in particular, they're one income household. She is a stay at home homeschooling mom. They have a special needs child. They have really young kids. You know, just, we, we see this a lot. This is super common with especially one income households 
especially lower income or single people, one income households one way or the other, just all of these things. We're all really feeling this pinch. And I even more recently had a question on Instagram from a follower that asked how to deal with the anxiety due to inflation. You know, we just wrapped up a very expensive summer. And I think also inflation was high. And then plus, this was our first normal summer. The past two summers were not normal due to COVID. And so not only was everything inflated, also we all were feeling that itch to like do things that we hadn't got to do for the past two summers. And it was just an expensive summer all the way around. But this follower on Instagram had said they felt like they had cut as much as they possibly could. And they were even like avoiding checking their bank account because they just didn't want to see it. Couple of things to unpack here. So let's just walk through them. My response to that question specifically was, for one, you're not alone. I know this personally because my family's felt it too. And we're debt-free except for our mortgage and our raw land, our real estate. We're consumer debt-free. We're several years into our budgeting journey. And we're still feeling this pinch. You're not alone at all. Almost half Americans, this... This article I found was written in January, so that was before summer even took its toll. But this this article said that a Gallup poll showed that almost half Americans say that rising prices have caused hardship for their families, with lower-income Americans suffering the most, of course. That's how it normally goes. And that was in January. So that was was almost half. And I'm sure if they were to do that same poll, you know, September... October, right, they would see that number even higher. So you're not alone, first of all. It's not like you're necessarily doing something wrong. Like I was, you know, trying to convey to my client, things are just really high right now. Like you can only do so much. Number two would be, obviously, I mean, we're frustrated and we can't control grocery prices. We can't control gas prices. You know, a lot of our bills are going up. We got a notice that our electric bill was going to go up. It went up, I don't know, like four or five cents per kilowatt hour. Um, You know, Netflix increased, Hulu increased, all these different things are increasing. And I mean, we could cut out those services. Sure. But I mean, like you can't cut out electricity. And are we really going to give up all of our streaming services No, like that's just not anyone who lives in the real world is not going to give up all of their streaming services. Could you cut like it down to like one or two? Yes, of course. But right. So we, we can only do so much as far as cutting back our expenses. The other thing we can do, the other flip side of that is we can look for ways to increase our income. But again, that's not possible for everyone. Those of us who live in the real world know That's not possible for everyone. Like my client's case, she's already a stay-at-home mom, homeschooling mom. She has three very young kids. One of them is special needs. What is she, like she already can barely make it through the day. How, what's she supposed to do? They only have one vehicle. I mean, there's just, the odds are stacked against a lot of us in these cases. 
there are still things we could do, right? I know it's not possible for everyone, but if it is possible for you, you have to judge that for yourself. That's, that can't really be a blanket statement like, well, just increase your income. That, that, that cannot be a blanket statement, but it will apply to a lot of you listening. So maybe there are ways that you can increase your income. Maybe it's just as simple as like selling things around the house, okay? Or turning a hobby into a little side hustle, Now, you guys know, if you've listened to any of the interviews so far this season, that I'm not totally pro turning all of your hobbies into income. I've been asking the question all season to my guests to kind of break free of the hustle culture mentality. What is something that you enjoy doing that doesn't necessarily bring you a profit, like something that you enjoy doing just for the sake of it brings you joy. So you don't have to turn every single hobby into an income provider. But if you want to, if you're able to, there's something you can do that you could do if you already have a full-time job or if you have kids at home or both or you work from home, whatever the case is. It could bring in just a little bit, like even if it's $100 or $50, that could be enough to kind of offset a little bit of your grocery budget or finding things to sell around the house or things like that. There are lots of work from home, online, legitimate jobs. There are lots of Instagram accounts that dedicate a good chunk of their content to talking about that kind of stuff. That's not my specialty, but I've seen people in the finance community sharing about these, you know, dig into them, look them up, research who's hiring, research who is hiring for remote work and things like that, like whatever you need, flexible hours or something like that. I've had a lot of clients have success with driving for DoorDash or Uber Eats or things like that. I've had several clients that are stay-at-home moms that do this and their kids go to school, which helps. So they have those couple of hours and they would just kind of do like lunch, DoorDash or Uber Eats. So that's something that you could do also. So just looking for ways to increase your income, challenging yourself, maybe pushing yourself just a little bit, obviously not at the risk of your mental health. Obviously this is not possible for everyone. So just disclaimer with that. But that is something that you could possibly look into. My other response to this Instagram question was the second part of that was that they just feel anxious. And so it makes them want to ignore their bank account. My response to that always is that ignoring your bank account is only going to create more anxiety. It's just like burying your head in the sand. Like it doesn't make the problem go away. My favorite analogy, I try to repeat this to new clients as often as possible, is that I love the metaphor of cleaning out a closet. So we all can kind of imagine, or probably you might have one in your own house, that junk closet, that hallway closet catch-all space in your house, right? You walk past it, you walk past it, you walk past it. It's constant in the back of your mind every time you walk past it or every time you need to go find something out of it or every time you need to go put something away in it, you dread it. 
or you kind of have that little reminder in the back of your head, you really should do that. Like every time you try to chill out and relax on the couch, you're like, you know, you really could be cleaning out that closet, but look at you, you're on the couch, you're lazy, blah, 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 this whole thing that we tell ourselves. And we just ignore it, but it still is like on a running to-do list in the back of our head, causing us more and more anxiety. And we put it off and we procrastinate and it drives us crazy. So our money is very much like that. We procrastinate. We avoid checking our bank account. We avoid digging into our retirement or investment information. We avoid asking the questions. We avoid buying the budget worksheets and getting our budget set up. We avoid following Instagram accounts that are going to hold us accountable we avoid all of this because we're like, oh man, yeah, I should be doing it. And then we just go into this like shame spiral and it's this whole thing. It's exactly the same metaphor. But what happens when we finally stop avoiding that junk closet? We set a timer or we give ourselves a a certain day, hey, I'm going to clean that closet out. You have to get in there and you have to pull all of it out. It's finally all pulled out, but now it's all over the living room. All this stuff is all over the place. And you look at it and you're like, I just made this worse. You know that that feeling when you're cleaning out a closet and it gets worse before it gets better? That's exactly what it's like trying to get your money organized. You got to pull it all out. You have to go through it. You have to organize it. You have to put it in the order that it was supposed to be in. You have to keep what serves you. You have to donate what doesn't, throw away what doesn't. You have to get rid of the trash. You have to dig through the boxes, find the things. It's the same thing. But once you set aside like an afternoon, it's really, it's not going to take that long. You know, it's really not. It's probably going to take like an hour or two, like maybe half a day at the most, right? It's not going to really take that long, but you've been avoiding it for months. And then when it's finally done, what do you want to do? Every time you walk by that closet, even if the door's closed, you're like, oh man, that closet's clean. Or like you find excuses to go and just look at it. You show everybody that comes over, like your best friend comes over, your sister comes over and you're like, oh my gosh, did you see the closet? Look at this closet, you know, and you're so proud of yourself and it just feels so great. You can find everything. Okay. Take that and apply it to your money. That's exactly what it's like. It's way worse when you just keep cramming things in it and closing the door and pretending like it doesn't exist. Set yourself a timer. Set set yourself a couple of hours or a half a day and dig into it. Put it on your to-do list. And then once you finally get set up, this is what I tell my clients, And so if that is scary to you and that's like, I can't do that, that's a really big mess. Like that's exactly what we do in coaching. I sit with you while you metaphorically clean out that cluttered closet. I help you clean it out. I sit with you while you do it. Like that's what we do. I help you put it all back. (laughs) And then I help you celebrate the fact that you did it. That's exactly what we do in coaching. And so once you've kind of got that, somewhat organized, like you have to build the habit to keep it in maintenance mode. So I always recommend like check, check your bank app every day. The more often you check, like you don't have to check it multiple times a day. You don't have to obsess over it. 
check it once a day. Make sure all the money is where it needs to go. The bills came out that needed to come out. Your spending money is still what you thought it was. Your transfers went through to savings or sinking funds or your debt got paid like it was supposed to. Whatever happened. Something comes up that you didn't expect. Oh, man. Okay, let me handle this right now. You handle it. It's like one little thing. Like for us, for example, um, you might have seen my post I talked about. We finally got our first credit card. And I put a bunch of bills on the credit card automation, you know, the whole thing, trying to learn about travel hacking and then pay them all off. I thought that I had put our cell phone bill on the credit card. Apparently I didn't. came out of our bank account. I saw it the very first day that it came out. I was like, oh, man. I thought that was coming out on the credit card. I transferred some money. I fixed it. It was fine. And that was it. And it wasn't a whole thing. Okay. So back to my original point, ignoring your bank account will only create more anxiety. So once you build a habit of checking in on your bank accounts every single day, and then build a habit of updating your budget worksheets at least once a week, checking in, Check off bills that have been paid. Check where you still are with your spending. Okay, how much money do I have left until I get paid? Do I need to reallocate some funds? What do I need to do? A little touch up. You know, every payday, you need to sit down and and really dig into it and make a plan for that paycheck. The more often you do this, the less time it's going to take. You check in on your bank app. It's like two minutes. That's it. Every day. You update your budget once a week. It's like... 10 to 20 minutes on payday. It might be a little bit longer. So like every other week when you check in, it's like 20 to 30 minutes. Like maybe I timed myself recently doing my payday budget and I, it was 19 minutes. That's not that much time. And then it was done for two weeks. That was updating my net worth, checking on my investment accounts, transferring money to savings, everything. And it was 19 minutes. That's it. That's it. It's way faster to just set a timer and do it and get it over with than avoiding it and feeling that back of your mind to-do list all the time. And at least you'll know where you are. At least you know where you stand and what you're up against. So if you're a week away from payday and you only have $60 left in your spending and you're like, oh man, where'd all that money go? That's Ooh, that's a little tight, you know, then you at least know where you stand. You at least know, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, only get a gallon of milk and the bare essentials for groceries and like the bare minimum of gas I need, or you're going to know, oh man, I need to pull a hundred dollars out of the emergency fund or 200 to make it until payday. And then you plan accordingly. But at least you know where you stand. Avoiding it is only going to make it worse, okay? That's my little bit of of tough love there when it comes to that. So anytime you're feeling just kind of out of control, it's because you're out of control. So sit down, set yourself a timer, and just check in with things. The truth is, though, here's the truth. This is common. This is super common. Avoiding it is super common, feeling like you can't cut back any more than you've already cut back. Super common. Like pretty much everybody feels like that. So if you feel like you're alone, if you feel like you're the only one, I don't know who told you that. They're either like 
way above your tax bracket, like living in a completely different reality, or they're not telling you the whole truth. Like that's, there's just basically only, (laughs) or they've been on this debt-free journey for like 10 years or something, right? Even us, we've been on this debt-free journey for like eight or nine years and we still screw up. Like I just told you with the cell phone bill, I thought it was on the credit card. It ended up to not be that big of a deal, but it was technically a mistake we still feel the pinch of inflation. It's normal. It's common. We're all in this together. Like you're not alone. And feeling like you are full of shame and guilt because of all these things, because of these factors that are largely out of your control. And then feeling shame and guilt about the few things that are in your control about your spending habits and all that kind of, all that kinds of things, decisions that you've made in the past that you're still paying for, you know, paying for vehicles and houses and student loans and credit cards and, you know, all the thing, all decisions that we made several years ago that we're still paying for. There's both, there's both. And we feel so much shame and guilt about these things, but we also feel shame and guilt for, like I said, the things that are out of our control. We have no control over groceries being inflated. And so like going back to my client apologizing to me more or less and just really, really, really in a shame spiral for the fact that she couldn't keep her groceries low enough, like feeling like she had failed her family as a wife and a mother. And I'm like, you can't help the fact that Clementines are inflated right now. You know, just feeling like she was a terrible mom because she had to tell her kids, no, they couldn't have Clementines. (laughs) And really beating herself up. I mean, that, it doesn't get us anywhere. It's, I mean, it sucks. And like, I think it's valid to sit with the fact that it sucks and be a little upset about it. But you can't beat yourself up about it. You can't shame yourself and tell yourself, well, you're just a really bad mom. You're a really bad home manager because you can't get these groceries lower. Have you been feeling like you need a little extra support on your budgeting journey? Well, that's exactly why I offer one-on-one 12-week coaching sessions. They are designed to give you fully personalized budgeting support. Together, we'll organize your bills, spending, debt, and savings goals, and I'll help you get a system in place that will set you up for financial success for years to come. I'll be there to hold you accountable, talk you through building new habits, and help you adopt a positive mindset towards your life. Visit asunnysideuplife.com slash coaching to apply today to see if coaching is right for you. Now back to the episode. And you know, like I said about increasing your income, sometimes it does get to the point where it's an income problem, not a spending problem. And with groceries, especially at least 95% of the things that we put in our groceries are needs, not wants. I mean, yeah, I like to sneak in a package of cookies. I'm about to go pick my groceries up as soon as I'm done recording this. And yeah, there's a package of Oreos in, in that order. There, each of my kids get, they were supposed to only get one treat on each grocery order. And somehow that's morphed into a candy and a snack, which is usually like something chocolate and some kind of chips on every single grocery order times three kids. So somehow now I'm getting six treats plus a treat of my own. I don't know how that got out of control, but it did. So yeah, there are a few things on there that are wants, 
but 95% of the things on the list are needs, right? So you, you can't really beat yourself up too much for that. Also going back to like things like clothes. Okay. Yeah. We could shop around for deals. We could shop at thrift stores or garage sales. I think garage sales are way cheaper than thrift stores are getting out of hand with their prices, but that's a whole nother story. I bought a shirt at Goodwill and I was like, I could almost buy this at Walmart. Like, yeah, it was a better brand than a Walmart brand, but geez, it was like four or $5 for a used shirt. Like where, what are we doing? So that's a whole nother story. But yes, you could be a little frugal with things that are needs like clothes and shoes, especially things for your kids that are clothing and shoe related, you know, backpacks, school supplies, things like that. You could be frugal. You can shop sales. You can shop resale when possible. You can do hand-me-downs. But at a certain point, there's only so much you can do. Really, the whole point of me saying this is just to validate how you're feeling, Because those of us who live in the real world know that there's only so much you can do. You do a certain amount. And then also at a certain point, sanity wise, there's only so much you can do. Not everyone has the time to go to garage sales or dig through racks at thrift stores. Not everyone has the storage space to do hand-me-downs. Plus, like, and then if you don't, like, you have to pay for a storage unit or take up space in your garage. Not everyone even has a garage. Not everyone even has a house with closets. Like it's just not a reality for everyone. We don't always have the space or the time or some of us don't even have the time to shop sales to like wait for sales. Sometimes like your kid needs shoes tomorrow because all of a sudden their, their feet just grew overnight and you like, run to Walmart or Target and just buy the first pair of tennis shoes that you find, right? You don't care if they're on sale. You don't care if you have a coupon. You don't you don't have time to dig around at thrift stores or shop on Facebook Marketplace. This is the real world that we live in. Yes, there are certain when you do have time, energy, space, sure. But that's not going to be always, okay? And so my whole point in saying all of this for one is to validate how you're feeling and for two is to remind you that you're worthy of these basic needs. Like having adequate amount of groceries is a basic need. Having an adequate amount of clothing is a basic need. Having shoes that fit you and fit your kids is a basic need. Like you shouldn't feel guilt or shame for spending money on those things. Okay. But there is so much shame and shaming being done around money and how we spend money. And people assuming like you've probably seen the posts on Instagram about, well, if you'd cut back your Starbucks, you could have X number of dollars per year. Assuming that people can afford $5 coffees seven days a week in the first place. Like what reality do these people live in? I don't, I just, (laughs) I don't know the reality that these people live in. And then on the other side of that, If you can legitimately afford a $5 coffee seven days a week, is that the worst thing possible? Like, why is that what we're addressing? Because what if that's the only treat that you treat yourself to? Like, that's your one treat. Is that really the worst thing that you could be treating yourself to? Like, it's only $5, you know? So I don't know. Either way you want to look at it, 
it's like, it, why are we, why are we having that conversation? Why are we not having the other conversations? Why are we not? I don't know. There's just so much. There's so much you guys. And we see this kind of shaming and like attacking people, bullying people. And people are scared to ask for help for fear of being publicly shamed. Like for example, when people call into the Dave Ramsey show and he basically just bullies them in front of millions of people for like wanting to eat at a restaurant or tells them that they're dumb for buying a car. I mean, yes, there is like, you know, did you overbuy on your car? Maybe like, did you get yourself upside down on a car? Maybe like, could that have been done a little better? Maybe. But you have to have a basic transportation. Like you have to have <laughs> some kind of reliable vehicle. Buying a vehicle is not the worst possible thing you could do. Could you make a smart decision? Yes. There is a middle ground there. And bullying people and shaming people, I don't think is the way to get through on that topic. And telling people that they're never allowed to see the inside of a restaurant as long as they have debt is just so not in reality. It's just so out of touch. Again, with the you're worthy of basic needs, you're worthy of a treat here and there. Okay. And so we have to find that middle ground. We have to find that balance. Maybe that is a short season of hustle to get yourself out of credit card debt. Maybe that is a short season of getting some side income so you can get yourself in a better position. Maybe that is selling your house or moving to somewhere cheaper or switching career paths to get a higher income. There are lots of options. There are lots of options. And those options are going to be so different depending on your situation. Like, are you like my client where, you know, a side income is just not really in her reality right now? Or could you totally do it? You know, and I can't just give you a blanket statement. I think that's where it's really damaging is blanket statements. Like, well, ev just assuming everyone is just wasting money on restaurants and coffees and, you know, buying all these things that they just can't afford instead of thinking like some people are really struggling. Some people are putting back Clementines at the grocery store and we can't just put a blanket statement and just shame everyone who's struggling. And then I also wonder, maybe this is a little bit of a tangent topic, but I also wonder how much of that struggle is just ingrained in us. Like we think it's supposed to be stressful. We think we're supposed to feel guilt and shame around money. I wonder how much of that is just ingrained in us from society and from, you know, just how a lot of us were raised that it's supposed to be hard that they're supposed to kind of be argue. Of course, people argue about money. Of course you feel stress when you pay bills, like it's paying bills. Like, of course you're agonizing every time you have to file your taxes. Like that's what being an adult is, you know, and it's just kind of like a joke at this point. And you'll see people kind of like wearing that struggle, either like a martyr or just like as a 
hey, this is just normal. This is this is what a adult, hashtag adulting, you know. And the people who kind of wear it as a martyr of like, well, you know, that's just my luck. I hate that saying. That's just my luck. It's like their whole identity is wrapped up in struggle. That's not normal or okay, you guys. Like you're worthy of basic needs and you're also worthy of not having daily struggles, not having everything revolving around money to be anxiety inducing. It doesn't have to be that way. It might be that way currently, and it might be that way for a short season, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's not like that always and forever and for everyone. So there are ways to kind of evolve out of that. And I think this mindset is really fear-based also. And people who kind of identify with their struggles, it's almost like, who would I be without that struggle? And this kind of goes more into, which I feel like is really too much of a tangent topic to get into today, but I feel like really goes into that breaking generational curses kind of thing as like, well, my parents struggled with money. And if I don't struggle with money, I don't fit in. And I think that that go a lot of us could probably relate to that especially people who are like first generation, I don't know, college graduates or quote unquote successful. Like I feel like me and my husband kind of identify as like first generation, I don't know, not struggling. I don't know the better way to say that. And it, it felt like at first that it really alienated us from the rest of our family because there was basically every single conversation was complaining or fear-based or, well, it's just life sucks, you know? And like, how are you supposed to contribute to those conversations? There are obstacles. There are hills that are harder to climb for some folks, right? We can't ignore those things. We can't ignore those obstacles. We can't ignore things that make it harder for other people like race, gender, sexual orientation, mental health, physical abilities, marital status, family size, levels of education, geographical location, age, all these things that change the playing field. Obviously, all of those things exist. Obviously, there are things that make it more challenging for other people than others, right? Than some from others, right? We all have our own obstacles. But I just feel like, hey, let's take that as a good challenge. You were born being who you are. You were born with the desires that you have in your heart and your soul. And I think you were born for more than just struggle. You were born to be worthy of basic needs you were born, to, if you have that urge to pa- push past these struggles, if you know that even though the odds are stacked against you, you've got to keep challenging yourself, pushing yourself when possible, seeking knowledge. You have to stop beating yourself up and just living in a shame spiral. You have to break free of that daily anxiety. Take those first steps by checking your bank account every single day. You're worthy of a life that is better than 
constant fear and anxiety over your money. There are so many odds that are stacked against you that you can't change, but there are still several things that you can. So let's at least take control of the things that you can change. Like you can check your bank account. You can make the most of what you have. You can organize what you do have. You can make a plan to pay off the debt that you do have, even if it's with a very small shovel, even if you can only throw $20 at it. That's still a plan. That's still movement. That's still worthy. That's still progress. And you have to feel worthy of breaking free of that struggle. You have to know that you will still exist outside of that struggle. There are other things than struggle to identify with. And you're worthy of that success. You are worthy of a stress-free, maybe less stressful. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You're worthy of a less stressful life. I don't think there's such thing as a stress-free life. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend like there is. But you are worthy of success and happiness. And if that means looking for a higher paying job, you're worthy of that job. If that looks like you need to take a break from your side hustle right now because your mental health is not in a good place, your physical health is not in a good place, you're worthy of taking a break. You're worthy of taking a day off, taking a nap. And that might slow down your debt-free payoff timeline. If that's what you have to do in the long run to be someone who identifies outside of their struggle... Because some being someone who is at a breaking point mentally and physically is still struggling. You're worthy of that. You're worthy of repairing your mental and physical health. You're worthy of having big dreams and chasing them and actually achieving them. You're worthy of being the person who breaks the generational curse. Okay? You might have a laundry list of odds stacked against you. You might be a woman, <laughs> you might be a person of color, you might be someone who can't hold a regular nine to five because of your mental health, you might be single, you might be a single parent, you might be a partnered parent, but only have one income, you might be a stay at home parent, you might be married with kids and two income and it's still hard right? You might be the first person that went to college or you might not have went to college. It, it doesn't, you know, we all have our laundry list of odds stacked against us in whatever way, no matter what basic human rights, basic human worthiness, you're worthy of those. Okay. So I feel like that got off on a little bit of a tangent, but <laughs> I feel like I got my basic points across and I hope that that was helpful to whoever needed to hear it today. Um, this message has been on my topic list for a very long time and I'm very glad to finally get it out there in the world. And so I hope that it spoke to whoever it needed to speak to. Um, if there's anything that I can do personally to help you break free of those struggles, whatever it is, reach out to me. I'm on Instagram. Send me a DM. Send me an email. 
sign up for coaching and I'll talk to you one-on-one on a Zoom call for an hour. <laughs> That's what I do. So let me know if I can help you in any way on your journey. And that is all for me today. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a review. Five-star reviews are what help the podcast grow. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for links to everything that we talked about today, as well as tons of free resources to help you on your financial independence journey, like my monthly newsletter, budgeting challenges, fun downloads, and more. Head over to asunnysideuplife.com to get started. And if you want to keep up with me in the day-to-day, don't forget to follow me on social media at a sunny side up life. Well, that's all for me this week. Bye guys.